So transfer portal season is obviously a big discussion. Trey and I have tried to take that into account in our votes of confidence looking at all the action through the next week or so of the NFL, a little bit easier, and college football, who knows. And yes, the line that we've used regularly in the fast lane, the Florida State Seminoles, they are trying to enter the transfer portal and find their next destination as they have now, well, taken legal action into their own hands, filing a lawsuit against the ACC and challenging the grant of rights. So who better to break that down than Dave Glenn, founder of accsports.com. He writes for chapelboro.com, WCHL in North Carolina. Dave, a pleasure to speak with you. Your legal background is coming at a very fortuitous time. How long are you going to be able to uh, maybe put billable hours to work, much like the lawyers at the ACC in Florida State? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this, Ed. The only sure thing, as people are trying to project who's going to win this lawsuit, the ACC or Florida State University, the only sure thing from a legal perspective or otherwise is that the lawyers are going to win because this is not going to end quickly. Florida State is not going to be a member of a different league anytime soon. Uh, Even when you read about a first judge's decision at some point well down the road, that's not going to be the end of the case either because of appeals and and negotiations. And uh, it's, it's very hard to predict where this is going to go. We've been saying for years that there's a reason no other school has challenged the grant of rights. Right, Texas and Oklahoma didn't challenge it when they decided to leave the Big 12 for the SEC, and that's because, in part, their attorneys were telling them it's a tough thing to get out of. Florida State decided to kind of break glass in case of emergency, and now it's, it's a very antagonistic process legally after a lot of antagonistic words back and forth over these last several months. FSU lobbed the first proverbial grenade in this situation at the ACC earlier today, Friday, December 22nd, when they announced uh, at their board of trustees meeting the desire to get out of the ACC. Um, Is there anything the ACC could have done to avoid this, Uh, even over the last handful of months with expansion and advocating for Florida State on uh, behalf uh, after being left out of the playoffs? Or was this an inevitability as Florida State looks at what schools that they recruit against, in fact, and the SEC and Big Ten will have to allocate to players and senses that it may be hard to keep up? Well, I think if the ACC gave the Seminoles everything that they have asked for in recent years, maybe this could have been avoided. But remember that the ACC already has agreed to one significant change in its financial distribution model just within the last year. It actually kicks in in 2024, and that was at Florida State's request, Ed, where the Seminoles said, hey, I know this league's been sharing money roughly equally for 70 years, but we want to share at least some of the money based on on-field, on-court success. And the ACC ultimately did agree to that. Um, the, the Seminoles also asked for a change to the revenue-sharing model where those who get the most football TV eyeballs, you know, who, who basically provide more value to the Atlantic Coast Conference in terms of who watches their games, which translates, of course, into better negotiating power with ESPN and your other TV partners, but the ACC membership voted no on that Florida State request. So I guess hypothetically, if every single issue that FSU wanted the, a certain way, if the other ACC school said yes, 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 maybe we would not be here. But even if you tweak the financial distribution model in several ways, uh, keep in mind that the Big Ten and the SEC right now make 
you know, tens of millions more per year per school than the ACC schools do. But that number is about to grow to 40 million a year per school per year. And even if, if you tweak the model, you might lessen the gap, but you're still going to have a gap. And those, that grant of rights is all the way through 2036. So as we've been saying for a while, I didn't know when this dam was going to break, but Florida State was not going to hang around without doing something all the way through 2036. David Glenn shows the Twitter account for Dave Glenn of Chapelboro.com and WCHL, and he's with us here in the Fast Lane. Dave, the ACC and Florida State are obviously at uh, extreme odds at this particular juncture, and it doesn't look like anything's going to change that anytime soon. Is Florida State just hoping that there's a resolution for this? Do they expect that? How do you anticipate Florida State wanting and realistically believing this is going to play out? Well, they're going to, I think, argue some legal long shots. That doesn't mean that they can't win some of the legal battles. Keep in mind, Maryland, when it left the ACC about a decade ago, according to its contract, was supposed to pay a 50 or so million dollar exit fee. In the end, after some legal battles, the, the sides settled. And the ter- Maryland did end up paying $30 million plus. But that's an example from a decade ago where they didn't pay the exact full amount that was listed in the document that they had signed. So Florida State is in part here seeking cost certainty. You know, if the Big Ten were interested in Florida State, which I think that league would be because of the Seminoles football brand, because the Big Ten does not yet have a presence in the state of Florida, and most of these league expansions are about, you know, adding to your current geography as a league, not adding a school in a league where you already have a member. Because of all that, I think in a vacuum, the Big Ten would be interested in talking to Florida State seriously about jumping to that league. However, I can promise you the Big Ten has said to FSU, until you get this legal black cloud called the grant of rights away from hovering over your head there in Tallahassee, we simply can only have casual conversations. We can't have real-world will-you-come you know, on this timetable conversation. So I think FSU knows that even if it doesn't have the better legal arguments, and I don't think it does, they, they want to make this process proceed legally so that maybe they at least have a better idea of whether they could negotiate the terms of their exit down to a more manageable money amount uh, or maybe you know buy back some of their media rights so that when they jump to a new league, that league would benefit from whatever the Seminoles were able to negotiate in a buyback with the ACC. Dave, whether it's precedent or a financial, uh, you know, the best financial interest for the ACC and the, the remaining schools that are, at this point, at least committed to being in the conference, what's the incentive for the ACC to work with Florida State on any type of settlement or negotiation in any capacity outside of reducing billable hours? And, I mean, I don't yeah. even know if you could countersue Florida State to pay your billable hours. Yeah, the incentive is always that there's a greater than 0% percent chance that you could lose on some of the legal issues. And what I mean by that is the ACC had the better legal argument, in my opinion, in that Maryland situation. But the ACC didn't go all the way to the mat and every time say, we want every last 51 million plus from Maryland and we're not going to discuss any other alternative. What often happens, Ed, is that a judge, and I don't mean the first judge, I mean later in the process, a judge will say, Let's say you're the attorney for uh, Florida State. They'll say, Mr. Lane, when I look at these legal issues, I don't think you have a great chance of winning. I won't tell you it's a chance of zero, 
but I don't think you should be very aggressive in your negotiations with the ACC. And then they'll say, let's say I'm the, the attorney for the ACC, the lead attorney. The judge will say to me, Mr. Glenn, I do think you have the best chance of winning on these legal arguments, but I can't tell you that that's 100%, so I wouldn't shut the door entirely on negotiating that number down with Mr. Lane, who's representing the Seminoles. In the real world, even the party that has the better legal arguments knows that there is a chance on one or more legal issue that some judge in some jurisdiction at some level somewhere may rule in favor of the Seminoles. And there's a value to that. And usually, again, down the road, either a judge or a mediator uh, convinces the two parties that, hey, if, if you really want a divorce, let's just find the right number and let the ACC go on without the Seminoles, let Florida State find a home in its new league, but force those Seminoles to pay a fair number on their way out. Dave, a couple more questions left for you here in the fast lane. The ACC presenting a unified front against Florida State. How unified is the conference, or if so, if not, which schools or how many schools might be in the group of, hmm, let's see how this plays out with Florida State. Maybe they can shatter the glass ceiling, and then we can just go right through it a lot more effortlessly. Well, absolutely, positively, the Clemson Tigers are intrigued by this because if somehow Florida State were to get out of the grant of rights, Clemson would leave the ACC as quickly as Florida State would. There's no doubt about it. It's another good football brand. It, it could be the Big Ten. Um, who knows about the SEC because the SEC already has the South Carolina Gamecocks in the Palmetto State. And, you know, the same issue is hovering over the Seminoles when it comes to the F- SEC because the Florida Gators are there in the Sunshine State. And those schools won't, knew it, won't want another in-conference, in-state competitor. Um, but, you know, in, in that bigger picture, you know, that's the reality of the situation for Clemson. I do think schools like UVA and UNC – who would rather remain in the ACC, they would be forced to contemplate um, whether they would be willing to land elsewhere. Because I promise you, on the short list of schools the Big Ten is interested in, both UNC and UVA are high on that list for different reasons than Florida State. But large public universities with strong athletic brands in a state that the Big Ten does not currently have a member, and in the case of UVA and UNC, obviously it's even geographically much closer to the existing footprint of the Big Ten. So those are the first three schools that come to mind, in part because they have to look around, but in part because those three schools would be in the most demand uh, in addition to the Seminoles. Dave, last one for you. We keep up with your work at David Glenn Show on Twitter and uh, the NC Sportsnet, their Twitter account, and, of course, chapelboro.com, where you write and contribute regularly, Dave. When and how does this all end? It'll take a while, meaning, you know, Florida State's not leaving this league in the next year and a half. I'll put it that way. After that, it's a little harder to guess. Um, But I do think that judge or mediator conversation that I described earlier will happen more than a year down the road. And at that point, both sets of lawyers will have a better idea of whether they're acting from a position of strength or whether the judge is telling FSU, you know, these are legal long shots. I won't get into the legalese with your listeners, Ed, but FSU is arguing a concept called bad faith and a concept called fiduciary mismanagement. Just so people understand, if you hire a financial advisor and you follow their advice in the stock market or on mutual funds, et cetera, and you lose money and you sue that person, 
you don't win the lawsuit just because the value of your portfolio goes down. It's not stuff went bad, so I, I win a lawsuit. It simply does not work that way. Now, if you lost money and that person defrauded you, if you lost money and that person acted in outrageous, extreme, reckless ways with your money, well, then you might have a lawsuit. But, but proving that higher caliber accusation, bad faith, fiduciary mismanagement, fiduciary mismanagement doesn't mean you just made some bad judgments. Every business person makes some bad judgments. You have to prove something much worse than that. FSU's lawyers know that that is difficult to prove. And at some point, I think the ACC, both parties will say, you know what, uh, let's have a divorce. But the ACC is going to want that number much closer to the $500 million plus that Florida State's attorneys threw out there today. It's not nearly as difficult to prove the insight is great. Just go to David Glenn Show on Twitter. Chapelboro.com and the North Carolina Sportsnet is Dave Glenn. Gracious enough to make some time for us today in the fast lane and lend his legal expertise to the FSU versus the ACC battle. Dave, uh, a pleasure to speak with you and uh, our condolences that you're not part of one of these legal teams that can (laughs) rack up billable hours over the next three years. Thanks, Ed. And I'll tell you, we just posted something about 30 minutes plus long at our new website, ncsportsnetwork.com. Easy website to remember, NC for North Carolina. We bought ncsportsnetwork.com earlier this year. So folks can find my articles there, my YouTube channel there, my podcast there, and all my analysis of this crazy ACC stuff there as well. Indeed, Dave. We look forward to it. Merry Christmas, a happy new year, and a happy holiday season to you and yours. Right back at you and and your listeners, man. Take care. Indeed. Dave Glenn with us here in the fast lane and grateful for his time and perspective on that situation, which is not going away anytime soon. And boy, you know, it's crazy yet again. We've weighed in on that already. We will pivot away from that to just, uh, well, I guess more life and leadership lessons as well as football talk with Michael Lombardi, three-time Super Bowl winning NFL executive, host of the GM Shuffle podcast, and joining us next here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. And of course, keep your thoughts coming. We'll get to them after the Christmas holiday. Trey Law VT, Ty Tracy 90, and Fast Lane Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and where you listen to podcasts.